the Syrian gas attack. Why should you care? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, I'm sure you've heard, unless you've been under a rock, about uh, the gas attack in Syria. Of course, there are lots of conflicting reports as to who's responsible, as to exactly what gas it was, and so on. But the general consensus at this point is that it's the chemical weapon sarin. And um, approximately or almost 100 people were killed. And this included children, babies, and other civilians who had no connection to the war. Now, I know what you're thinking. A gas attack like what happened in Syria could never happen here. Well, think again. That's your denial speaking. None of us want to think about, I mean, it's incredibly scary to think about uh, any kind of weapon of mass destruction happening here, whether it's chemical or biological or, of course, nuclear, the ultimate. But um, we need to, to think about this in more realistic terms and then to understand really, you know, chemical attacks, what's that and what can it do? And I'm going to talk to you about all of that and also talk to you about uh, hope in the future, what, what kinds of things you might be able to do if this happened. So um, first of all, you know, we hear a lot in regard to Syria about not crossing the red lines, not crossing the line to, uh, against humanity, you know, not doing something in war that is going too far. But is there really a line, red or any other color? Uh, would people in war, people who are interested in taking over the world, for example, really care that there was a meeting and that uh, a large number of countries agreed to uh, not have chemical or biological or nuclear war. There are, there are pacts and, and agreements and, you know, that people, that countries made, that people made representing various countries. But uh, how safe is that? Really, it seems like it is a false sense of security because um, we, for example, in the United States, we already had the anthrax attack after 9-11. So a weapon of mass destruction has already been used here. We kind of tend to forget about that. You know, that was, uh, it sort of got lumped in with 9-11. And we, our denial mechanisms um, in our psyche don't want us to think about these things. So we sort of push it out of our mind. Now, there are um, chemical, as I said, biological and nuclear weapons of mass destruction. And of course, the idea is it's mass destruction. It is killing many more people at once than uh, other kinds of weapons, you know, than a bomb, for example, or an explosive, um, improvised explosive device. But it's bad enough already now that we uh, really, I mean, ask yourself this when you are walking in the street and you hear a car or a especially a truck, 
come close to you. You hear them, <laughs> your back is turned to them, and uh, you hear the noise coming behind you of a big vehicle. Do you sometimes now think about the attacks with trucks and um, cars and, I mean, the attacks in Nice and the attack in Berlin and the attack in London? I mean, those were all trucks and cars. Um, and do you, or do you think about, well, maybe this person behind me won't stop or maybe even in front of you? Unconsciously, our minds are now going more towards those kinds of things, even though we don't want to consciously think about it or be scared about going out shopping or going out anywhere where there's a crowd. Uh, and the idea of stopping these kinds of attacks, of course, are very difficult because you can't put things in the road uh, all over the place. I mean, there, there are things, you know, <laughs> things, um, obstacles, that especially in Europe, that many European ha cities have put in the road uh, more and more to try to prevent that kind of an attack from happening. But obviously, they can't be all over. There, there's no way of stopping that 100%. Or cars couldn't drive in the streets, and we couldn't walk in the streets. So chem let's look at chemical weapons now. Their um, chemical weapons, actually, even though, you know, we're, we're hearing about it in relation to Syria these days, uh, they really have existed for thousands of years. And um, they are produced very easily. They are toxic chemicals that can kill or injure or incapacitate an enemy. And there are thousands of industrial chemical facilities all over the world. Now, chemical weapons have existed for thousands of years. The earliest kinds were poison arrows and toxic smoke and those kinds of things. And they were also used in World War I on the battlefield and in World War II and during the Cold War. So this is really nothing new, except what's new is that there is, it's now on a context of terrorism with those wars it was more delineated, and they weren't on the grounds, the soil of the United States. Um, well, during, during the Cold War, the powers developed arsenals of chemical weapons, but um, they weren't really used <laughs> on our hometown. And then also you might remember the terrorist poison gas attack in Tokyo uh, in 1995. That was... That was created by a cult in Tokyo. Remember that? They, it was um, on the Underground Railway. And now we have an international treaty prohibiting the development, the stockpiling, or the use of chemical weapons. But as I was saying, really, is that going to really deter a country that is out to uh, conquer the rest of the world? Now, there are um, four classifications of uh, chemical weapons. There are the choking or pulmonary agents, and an example of that is chlorine gas. That attacks lung tissue and causes respiratory distress and asphyxiation. Then there are blister agents. One example of that is mustard gas, and that causes blisters on the skin and in the respiratory tract. 
Then there are blood agents such as cyanide, and that interferes with blood carrying oxygen to uh, all over our body. And then there are nerve agents, and sarin is a kind of nerve agent. These are lethal in the most minute quantities. Um, all you need is a pea size uh, amount of sarin, and it can cause rapid death. And the way that it does it is by attacking the central nervous system. And some of the uh, symptoms that you would see would be, um, of course, you know, muscular, muscle twitching and um, uh, anything where the brain connects to the, um, to the muscles, and to the well, the nervous system connects to the muscles. So for example, you could see foaming at the mouth, you could see uh, being, you're made to cry, muscles twitch, you can have uh, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, seizures, muscle spasms, excessive runny nose, and then, of course, the most uh, dangerous difficulty breathing, which is the main cause of death. So, so why, again, why should we care about this? Really, um, I mean, first of all, it's good to know these things, to know what you're facing. Um, to know what may be happening, and um, to be more realistic about, about the possibility of this. I mean, this was always the no-no, the taboo. Oh, no, there would never be a weapon of mass destruction used. But now that we're seeing it in Syria, in the context of an increasing number of terrorist attacks, this changes the whole game. So, you know, we, are, we have begun becoming desensitized to terror attacks because they are happening now uh, every, every week, if not every day. And I'm not talking about in the Middle East. I mean, yes, of course, there's, there are terror attacks, so to speak, going on every day there. But in country in the West, um, we are seeing, you know, it used to be when I started this podcast, uh, if there were, if there was a terrorist attack, then, you know, that would be, of course, something that I would want to talk about. And early on, there was uh, Omar Mateen, for example, in Orlando and so on. But now the, it's almost become <laughs> where each week I need to talk about the latest terror attack because, I mean, there's something that happens almost every week, if not even more frequently, and we can expect it to increase to be even more frequently. Now, there's an attack that, that um, happened this week that has gotten so little attention in the news. You may not have heard about it. Uh, it's an attack in Germany. Again, of course, no, no surprise, really, after uh, Chancellor um, Angela Merkel let in uh, countless... I don't even know what the number is up to now, but um, it is huge. Countless unrestricted uh, immigration of refugees who really were essentially, we're seeing now, you know, um, essentially Trojan horses for terrorists. In other words, yes, there were some number of actual refugees looking for safety and, and security and, and wanting to start a good new life. Um, not having any uh, ulterior motives, 
But then amongst them, as we have been seeing time and time again, there are so many, there, you know, even in Germany alone, uh, yes, we heard about the Berlin attack and there was another bigger attack. I mean, big attack like that. But, but there, there, are, there are, have been so many lone wolf attacks that we don't even really hear very much about in the news. Maybe it's, it makes a headline for a day and then it goes away. You know, the Berlin attack, of course, was bigger than that. But um, the point is that there are so many people who came in under the guise, you know, in sheep's clothing, under the guise of being refugees who really had ill will planned, who were really terrorists. So the latest attack in Germany, as I said, that you might not have heard of, is the one um, on the Dortmund uh, soccer team bus. This happened this week. And um, they're, they, they're assuming that it's a terrorist attack. They found several letters of responsibility. One of the letters suggested a possible Islamist motive. Another one demanded the withdrawal of German military in Syria and the closure of the U.S. facility at Ramstein in Germany. There are two suspects. suspects. One of them has been arrested already. In the, what they did was, um, in the, on, along the road where the bus carrying the team, the Dortmund soccer team, the road where the, the bus was going to be uh, traveling over, um, the suspect or suspects put improvised explosive devices and included metal rods that would um, really cause harm. And uh, one rod had already pierced one of the bus's seats. And so um, there were three explosive devices that uh, were detonated. And as the bus was leaving the hotel, the team's hotel, on the way to the Champions League quarterfinal match, soccer match, um, that's where um, these bombs were on the road. Now, fortunately, it, it really didn't have very much of an impact um, in terms of, of injuries, um, but, but it could have been a lot worse. And perhaps that's why we didn't hear much about it, because there weren't as many dead um, or, uh, as, in, as in other attacks. But nonetheless, we really can't get decent. We can't say, oh, well, you know, nothing much really happened here. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't because the terrorists didn't try. So we have to stay alert to these things, you know, um, where, I mean, when, when they are little attacks, like some alone terrorist with a knife and so on, we, we just have become really desensitized to this because there are, there are getting to be more and more of the so-called bigger attacks. So the terrorists see that we are not feeling as much terror as they would like. So what are they doing? They are upping their game. And the sarin gas in Syria is one example. Because yes, indeed, sarin gas, other chemical weapons, uh, other biological weapons, certainly nuclear weapons, they instill a lot more terror in us. Just the threat of that instills a lot more, ter more terror. They don't even have to do it. <laughs> they don't even have to carry out that kind of an attack. But just letting us know that they have stockpiled 
these chemicals, for example, um, does increase our terror. So, uh, now there is the whole issue of, uh, it's, I mean, it's so interesting that the war in Syria has been going on for years, and now we are paying more attention to it because of this uh, chemical agent that, that was used. Because now we do on some level, even though we're pretty much in denial, on some level we're kind of aware, hmm, <laughs> that, could, uh, that could have more of a chance of affecting us. So, um, you know, and yes, of course, that is uh, horrendous, and it is, uh, it's hard to believe that one human being could use those, these, any kind of weapon of mass destruction. But what's also horrible is when a leader, any leader, kills his own citizens, regardless of what form they use. You know, is, are, is chemical, are chemical weapons worse than, um, than guns or, um, or improvised explosive devices, you know? I mean, it's worse because it's scarier, for one thing, and that's kind of the point of terrorism. Um, let me go to the uh, letter, the terrorist therapist letter portion of the show. Um, because that kind of brings us to another aspect of this. And it's from Celeste in San Francisco. Dear terrorist therapist, uh, I heard about the gas attack in Syria, and I'm afraid that one day it could happen in the U.S. I want to know if there is anything a person can do to protect themselves from a chemical attack. So, yes, uh, Celeste. There are things. I mean, that's the other aspect of this that we can look at, that as the, there is more likelihood of there being chemical attacks, um, there has been, there has already, in laboratories, there has already been research to find um, antidotes. And one of the antidotes is uh, a drug called atropine. Now, of course, it all depends. Since uh, sarin works so quickly, and as I was saying, just a pea-sized dose, uh, whether the antidote of atropine, or there's another drug called 2-PAM, um, whether these can work to do anything significant to stop you from dying depends upon how much exposure you've had to the gas, to sarin, and how much and how quickly you receive the antidote. So um, if, you know, and it's within, it's no, no longer than 15 minutes, if that, again, depending upon the dose. So, you know, so obviously that, that, um, that how protective that is depends upon how much access, how quickly you could have had, you can have access to atropine. Are we going to have, um, you know, if there was any kind of, as, as it gets closer to there being more likelihood of these kinds of attacks, there will uh, presumably be atropine is a typical drug that's found, you know, in pretty much any medical clinic or um, a hospital. And um, whether there'll be, um, you know, how, how, 
how easily you'll be able to have access to it will depend upon how, how quickly we uh, begin, begin to suspect that this is something that might actually happen in the U.S. And the sarin gas in Syria is making people wake up and um, hopefully, I'm trying to help wake you up, to make you realize and get your head around the fact that this could happen here. So, but there are people, there are lots of researchers working on these things. In fact, in Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, they are developing material for a new, what they call a new smart military uniform that could use and transform its structure to repel chemical agents. In other words, if, um, if someone in the military is uh, attacked by if the, if the sarin gas, if they're exposed to sarin gas, then something in this uniform could uh, be an antidote. And so they're working on that. They're, of course, they're also working on, um, I mean, there are gas masks for that matter. And, um, you know, when, when it becomes more likely that that could happen here, <laughs> the sale of gas masks is definitely going to go up. So um, also they're working on materials that are going to be more made available to the general public. So there are things that, um, that we will be able to have to protect ourselves. I think that the biggest uh, block to, um, to using them is that first we need to get out of our denial and recognize that, in fact, this kind of thing can happen. So we can't become or shouldn't become desensitized to terrorist attacks. And we need to understand that the terrorists are ever upping their game to create terror. And gas attacks or weapons of mass destruction are where they are going. Now, gas attacks actually has, or chemical attacks in general, have been called the poor man's bomb because they're very low cost. And of course, the, the destruction that they can cause uh, physically, you know, injuries and death, and then psychologically by terrorizing, <laughs> terrorizing us are very great. So I want to thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your Terrorist Therapist. I also want to tell you about where you can find more, <laughs> more information, more of my Terrorist Therapist material, commentary, video, and so on. You can go to my uh, website, which is www.terroristtherapist.com and you can use the contact link and send me a, um, a message and send me questions that I can use on future shows or comments that you'd like to make. Again, that's terroristtherapist.com or, and or you can go to my Facebook page. If you put into Facebook, The Terrorist Therapist, my Terrorist Therapist page will pop up and of course, you can message me through that. And my Twitter handle is at Dr. Carol MD, which is at D R C A R O L E M D. And then, if you would like a preview of my book, which is uh, soon to be released, uh, called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists Oh My How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, 
you can go to the publisher's website, and that is www.terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. So again, let me um, tell you that I, I'm just, it's just kind of a heads up to recognize if you are becoming desensitized to terrorist attacks. In other words, if you hear of another knife attack or another ex little explosion, eh, it didn't kill anybody, it's, we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, we need to be aware of what the terrorists are doing. I don't mean to give you nightmares. I don't want you to be hiding under your covers on your bed and thinking that uh, closing the windows um, to not get any sarin gas uh, coming into your house, but you do need to wrap your head around the possibility that these things can happen because the terrorists are trying to do whatever they can to keep you terrified. Again, I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist, and thank you for listening the Terrorist Therapist Show.